Well, good morning to each of you. It's good to be with you. And I really appreciated that last song, Take Time to Be Holy. What a powerful message that is in the world that we live in, holiness. So this morning, I would like to continue in the study of Luke chapter 6. The last couple messages I've had, we're looking at this uh, Luke's version of the Sermon on the Mount. Um, some people call it the Sermon on the Plain. Um, it's a little bit shorter than, than Matthew's version. He says some things a little bit differently than Matthew does. But we've been looking at what Jesus is teaching and just looking at some of the high standards that he gives. Following Jesus means living by, living by different values. And it's the Beatitudes that, that we looked at. People who by all outward appearances are doing very well, but Jesus says, whoa, how unfortunate. And the people who on the outside look very needy, Jesus says, blessed are you. And last time I looked at the, the law of love, that's what I called it, uh, basically how that applies to everyone. Christian love applies to those who don't deserve it as well, loving our enemies and the, the difficult things that Jesus says. So we see some pretty high standards that Jesus is giving, some radical things you might say. And in, in this study, I just wanna keep the lordship of Jesus uh, in our minds. What does it mean to live with Jesus as Lord I think today, in our world, people misunderstand sometimes what it means to be a Christian. Maybe it's not explained very clearly, and sometimes I think it's watered down to just believing. And uh, just say the right thing, say the prayer, and just have this mental assent, and then, then you're good. And I think last week, Jim looked at salvation and what all is involved with that, and there's an endurance that's involved. and also obedience. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commandments. So we're going to look at what, what Jesus taught and uh, see him as Lord of, of our life and what that means as we look into to what he says for us. So moving on, uh, the next section here is uh, the, one, the next section that Jesus talks about. If we're honest, we've probably all done sometime or other it's a subject that's a little bit touchy sometimes. I think it's been misunderstood in a way and used in a way that Jesus did not intend. And that's the thought of judging others. What does it mean to judge? So we'll look at what Jesus said. And I want to try to look for the principles behind what Jesus is saying. What's behind this? And. This follows a section on love, and I think in a way this is an outworking of the law of love. That Jesus said that all the law and the prophets can be traced back to the, the two great commandments, to love God and love your neighbor. And I think this is an application of that, showing love to our neighbors. So I'd like to read Luke 6, uh, starting at verse 37, where we left off left, last time, and I'll read through verse 42. The Luke 6 
37. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over, shall men give into your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. And he spake a parable unto them. Can the blind lead the blind? Shall they not both fall into the ditch? The disciple is not above his master, but everyone that is perfect shall be as his master. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but perceivest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Either how canst thou say to thy brother, Brother, let me pull out the mote that is in thine eye, when thou thyself beholdest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, cast out first the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to pull out the mote that is in thy brother's eye. I'll stop there. The theme of this section of verses is warning us about judging. Being judgmental, being critical, and I think each of these scenarios it in, in some way shows an aspect of somebody who's trying to correct somebody else when they're not really in the right position to do so. Like I said, I think this passage is misunderstood different times, and one of the reasons that it's so misunderstood is we have a different definition or understanding of the word judge. Maybe you heard somebody before say, don't judge me. I remember seeing somebody with a tattoo one time on his arm, big bold letters, only God can judge me. And I didn't ask him what he meant by that, but I'm assuming his intent was to say, you, you can't tell me that I'm wrong. And people usually know that somewhere in the Bible it says, don't judge. And I've actually heard that quote before. Somewhere in the Bible it says, don't judge. And then we put our definition to the word judge. So it's true. Jesus did say, judge not. So what did he mean? Does this mean that you can never tell somebody that they're wrong? Like some people would say, you can't tell me I'm wrong. You're not allowed to judge. Does this mean we tolerate Everything, anything goes. To never make, never make a call if something is right or wrong. And I think as we look at this passage and we look at the context, there's verses surrounding. Jesus gives some other directives that I think if we look at it all together, we can see what he was talking about. So I'm going to start by thinking about this word judge. And I think that's the biggest hang-up, uh, the word judge. And, and I'd like to think about that word in the Bible. What, what does it mean? So Jesus uh, says we are not to judge. This is something that we do. And, and Jesus is telling us not to do it. And this same word, I found it interesting, the same word is, uh, I looked it up in the Greek and did a search for that word in the New Testament. And it's used 98 different times and it's not always translated as judge. There's some different forms that it takes. Sometimes it's translated as determine, conclude, brought into question, ordain, esteem, 
condemn or decree. So there's different ways that this word was used in the Bible, and, and I think there's some slight variations in how it is used. So one way can be someone deciding, coming to a conclusion, and uh, it, it shows an evaluation of something, and, and they, they judge something is, is better than something else. And we talk about people having good judgment, and what that means is, is somebody who's able to look at a situation and pick out um, what the best thing is to do. And that's the meaning of the word judge. In Acts, Acts 4.19, it's used, um, Peter and John were told not to speak in the name of Jesus. And Peter says, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. So he's basically saying, you make this evaluation you determine what's, what's better. And I think there's another meaning of this, a, a slightly different uh, meaning, and that is to condemn, to pronounce guilty. And I think this meaning is brought out in John 7:51, where Nicodemus is talking with the Pharisees, and they're talking about how they can get rid of Jesus. And Nicodemus says, does our law judge a man before it hears him? and knows what he's doing. In other words, they didn't condemn anybody before a trial and due process and hearing everything out. So that was referring to judging as guilty, condemning. And that's what the Pharisees were doing. They were condemning without hearing everything out. And we use the word judgmental. And a person who is judgmental has the critical fault-finding spirit, basically. They're, they're judgmental, nothing is quite right. Uh, they're, they're looking for problems and nitpicking. And I think this is what Jesus was talking about here. The condemning spirit and the judgmental attitude. Because you look at the other commands that he gives, right? The next one is condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. And it seems that usually when we judge a person, it's usually a condemnation. They're guilty of something. And usually there's an attitude of self-righteousness. I'm going to tell them they're wrong, what they're doing wrong. And it's something that's, that's easy to do, and I'm guilty of it myself, having a, a critical spirit toward other people based on the things that they do and the, the little that I see of their lives. And I think this is what James is getting at as well. James mentions judging. James chapter 4, I'll just reference that. James 4, verse 11, he says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaks evil of his brother and judges his brother speaks evil of the law and judges the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's one lawgiver who is able to, able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? So I think the same idea is coming through it with James, speaking evil. And it's the same idea, just uh, fault-finding, critical spirit, uh, talking behind somebody's back maybe. There's one more verse that I want to look at um, with this word judge in mind, and that's from John chapter 7, again, uh, verse 24. And this is Jesus speaking in response to some backlash that he received after healing on the Sabbath. 
And let's listen to what Jesus says, John 7, 24. Do not judge according to appearance, but judge with righteous judgment. And it's the same word here. And here he says we are supposed to judge, but there's clear guidelines as well. He does say judge not according to appearance. The way something appears is not always how it is, but judge with righteous judgment. Make sure it's, it is sure. My mind goes to 1 Samuel, the story where God had rejected Saul as king, and God told Samuel to uh, go to Jesse's house. There's one of Jesse's sons that I'm going to have you anoint as the next king. I'll tell you which one. So Samuel goes, and his sons of Jesse are standing before him, and he sees the oldest standing in front of him, and, and he says, yes, surely this is the one. He looks like a king. Maybe he thought that. But let's listen to what God says. After, after Samuel thought he had it figured out, God says, 1 Samuel 16, verse 7, The Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. So it's important to remember that what we can see is just the outside. We can't see the heart. I remember talking with a friend one time about this verse, and he was basically saying this. Jesus was talking about motives. You know, we can, we can look at somebody's actions, the things that they do, and we can, you know, rightly say if it's right or wrong, but oftentimes we try to go further, and we try to look at their motivation for that, the heart where that came from. You did this because, whatever reason, but we can't see the heart. And Jesus is warning us not to judge by appearance. He says our judgment has to be righteous judgment, according to what's right. And the ultimate guide for righteous judgment is the Bible, God's word. And we need to be very careful in our judgment, making sure that this really is what the Bible teaches and what Jesus is teaching us. And there are actions that we can call out as wrong, and I think there's plenty that we can see today. In our world, we can make a decision, make an evaluation but our guide has to be the Word of God. And think about the last part of, of verse 37. He mentions forgive. So this goes right along with those other two. Judge not, condemn not, and forgive. And I think this, this goes right along with, with not condemning, the forgiving spirit, not being judgmental, having a merciful attitude, and my mind goes to the parable of the unforgiving servant. Um, I think it's Matthew 18. Talks about the unforgiving servant who was, who was forgiven this astronomical debt he could never repay. And his master said, you know what, you're, you're forgiven. And he turns around, finds a fellow servant who owes him just a fraction of what he owed and was just forgiven, takes him by the throat, demands payment. Forgive and you will be forgiven. We see that servant had his debt reinstated. The same measure that you use will be used against you. Our forgiveness depends on the extent that we're willing to forgive others. 
The next verse um, talks about basically our measuring stick. And Jesus is basically telling us to take a good look at your measuring stick or the standard that you use for others. How do you measure out to others? And I think this, this reaches back to verse 37, all these commands that we see in verse 37 as well. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Give, and it shall be given to you. So what, what does this mean? I didn't, I didn't uh, touch much on the last part of these, these uh, commands here. What does it mean that you will not be judged or condemned? And if we look at verse 38, we can get a better idea. He's talking about us giving generously. Give and you will receive. And in return, we're going to get a fair and more than a fair return. And the description there is, is bountiful. There, there's no skimping in this description that he gives. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So this is talking about transactions where they would measure out um, goods, whatever it might be, grain. They would have their, their measures that you would fill up and you, know, you could just fill it up to the top. But he says, give and press it down and shake it together and then put another dose on top. Get, make, make it generous. And you know, we don't do this as much, but I, I think we um, we have an eye for when we are shorted and we, we notice things. Sometimes people skimp out on things and for some reason those, those things stand out in our memory. I remember just recently my wife was looking over a receipt and found that we were overcharged. Uh, they charged us too much and things like that stand out um, for some reason. But. What do, you, what do you do? And you go back and, well, but give generously. Uh, if we give over and above, people notice that as well. Be generous. And then the principle uh, that he gives, the measure that you meet or the measure that you give for others is going to be measured back to you. In other words, if we have a standard that we use for others, we're expected to live up to that same standard. And it includes our judging and condemning of others. The story that I heard from David Brasil in his, his book, I think it was Secrets of the Kingdom, he gave a fictitious story, I don't believe it's true, about a history teacher who had a, an assignment to memorize the Declaration of Independence. And the test day came and they had to, to write it out and to save him time, he said, okay, I'm going to have you grade each other's papers. Teachers do that uh, sometimes, just trade papers with somebody, and you're going to grade your neighbor's paper. And he said at the beginning, so if, if you see some minor errors, you can just let that go. I mean, if it's certain words, unalienable or inalienable, he said if it's stuff like that, just, just let it go. Uh, you don't need to count that wrong. And he, they graded their papers and afterward this one student got his paper back and realized that there's some, some of the exact same things that the teacher said is okay were, were marked wrong on his paper 
and he's looking at this, and you know, that's exactly what the teacher was talking about. So he went up to the teacher and said, hey, you know, this mark wrong here, and you were just saying that that's okay. I wonder if I could get a better grade. And he said, yeah, you know what, you're right. I, I did mention that, uh, but first I want to take a look at the paper that you graded for your fellow student. So they found the paper that this student had graded and realized that some of the exact same minor mistakes were marked wrong on this paper that he graded. And the teacher looks at this and says, well, you use the same standard for your fellow student. Uh, I think it's only fair that you keep this lower grade. That's not a true story, but I think it easily could be because it shows human nature, how we like to point out faults in other people, or maybe a little bit judgmental and, and unforgiving to others. And the verse comes to mind from James chapter 2, verse 13. Judgment will be without mercy to him who has shown no mercy. I think it's right what Jesus is saying here as well. So that student didn't know he was going to be graded by the way that he graded his fellow student. And probably if he would have known, he would have done things a little different. <clears throat> so he didn't know. But for us, Jesus tells us ahead of time, this is how you're going to be graded by the standard that you use for others. And it should make us very cautious when we condemn someone. If we find them guilty, mark it wrong. And I heard it described before as a blinking neon sign. Every time we want to find fault with somebody, point a finger and saying, wait, are you sure you want to do that? Judge at your own risk. And I'll, I'll add too that the flip side is not complete toleration. It's not that the more we let slide in others, the more we're going to get a pass ourselves. I don't, I don't think that's uh, what Jesus is saying, but it's our attitude. Do we have an attitude of humility and graciousness, or is it judgmental and fault-finding? Do we still have God's word as our guide, and we have the teachings of Jesus that, that he wants us to live up to? And I think the old saying applies well, does your walk match your talk? Do the things that we say about others, or are we living up to the same standard? Are we living the way that we think others should? It is too easy to set a standard for other people that we don't want to live up to ourselves. So moving on to verse 39, he gives, it's called a parable. I think it's more of a, a mental image a blind person leading another blind person. And you, you just get that mental image in your mind and, and it's kind of ridiculous. And it, really, it's a recipe for disaster. And it is. He says they're both going to fall into a ditch. It doesn't work. And I think Jesus is giving us this picture for us to understand what it looks like when we try to correct somebody when we're in the same position. He goes on to give, in verse 40, another illustration of a teacher and a student the disciple is not above his master. Everyone that's perfect shall be as his master. So the master, I believe, is referring to Jesus, the one who is giving us these teachings. And we're in this position of disciple. We're student. We're learning. 
We're not the teacher, but we're learning to be more like the teacher, just like our brother or sister is. So remember our position. Remember where we're at. We're not perfectly trained, but we should be growing. So I believe the attitude of humility is, is brought out here. And this leads us to the metaphor that we're probably familiar with, talking about the speck that's in your brother's eye while you have a beam in your own eye. And there's a saying, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. I don't know if you've heard that phrase before. I remember telling my children that, and they completely didn't get it. Well, what does that mean? It used to be that they cooked with cast iron, and the pot and the kettle were black. And if the pot is calling the kettle black, well, it's, you know, they're, they're both in the same position. And it's just another picture that Jesus gives to illustrate what it looks like when we criticize and judge others, and specifically a brother. We're quick to point out the minor imperfections of others when there's a lot bigger issue in our own life. And I think it's human nature. You know, we, we can easily see the faults of other people. Why are they doing that? But we have issues of our own. And we are, are quicker to excuse or just overlook the problems that we have. And I think, again, using the same standard for others that we use for ourselves. And I think it goes back to, as well, to um, only being able to see the outside. We can't see the hearts of other people. But we can see our own heart. And I know Jeremiah says our hearts are deceitful. We try to we deceive ourselves into thinking we're better than we actually are. But we can examine our own heart better than someone else's. And it's a call for us to focus on our own heart before we hold a magnifying glass up to someone else. So don't be eager to point out faults in, in others. How often do we search our own life for imperfections? And I think that's something that we should be doing. Introspection, searching our hearts, an effort to grow more like the master, more like our teacher. What am I lacking? How can I grow? And if we're honest, when we examine ourselves, we find there's a lot more to take care of than we might like to think. Because it's hard for us to see our own faults. But that's what Jesus is, is pointing out here. The point isn't that we shouldn't look at others, but that we should first look at our own hearts, take care of, of our own issues. Are we acting in a hypocritical way? Are we holding a different standard to others? So what was Jesus' point in saying this? What was he really getting at? <clears throat> I think all these verses tie together, these, these different scenarios tie together with two main principles. And the, the two that I can see in, in this passage is generosity and humility. And, and maybe you could think of different words for that. Maybe you think of more. But generosity, first of all, in our assessment of others. And I think you could call this mercy as well. Verse 36, I believe, ties in as well, I think verse 36 is a, a bridge between the two sections. 
be merciful as your father is merciful. I think it flows right in with this section as well. Generous, do we have a generous standard for others? Are we quick to believe innocence? And then also humility, as we recognize our own shortcomings. Too often we want to point out other people's failures, and there's a, a self-righteous attitude that, that comes. What's, what's the motivation for, for bringing this up? Do we have a humble heart, remembering that we are disciples ourselves, the, the position that we're in? And I think a lot of times this can happen in our minds as well. It's not necessarily spoken out loud. We can form judgments about a person's actions or their lifestyle. And we can have that judgmental attitude on the inside. And maybe we even presume to know what their relationship with God looks like. And I think it's that attitude and that, that spirit that Jesus is, is calling us away from. Be careful what you think. I mean, even, even if we think we can hide it, um, our thoughts are going to be revealed in our actions, even if it's in a small way. And to be clear, this does not mean that we should never confront sin. There are times when you have to do that, but we can do that without condemning. Matthew 18 talks about the proper way to address sin, a brother who sins against you. There's, there's a process to take with that. And the answer is not ignoring. And the fact is we are supposed to judge with righteous judgment, like Jesus says. We need to use our critical thinking and our evaluation to determine between right and wrong. We have God's word as our guide and we can judge righteous judgment. We need to beware of false prophets. And that, that involves making a judgment call and we looked at that in our Sunday school lesson, contending for the faith. There are people who are going to try to drift away, take us away from righteous uh, living, holiness. So Jesus isn't saying we need to ignore sin, shortcomings. And we see that call echoed throughout the New Testament, the call for holiness and purity. But be cautious in our approach. Be generous and humble. And don't forget to search your own life as well. So in conclusion, I think Jesus is laying his finger on a flaw in, in human nature, or you could say a tendency. It's, it's something that we're prone to do, to have a, a critical attitude to others, and, and really to hold a standard to other people that we don't want held to our own life. And I think this is a call to be merciful in our assessment of others, generous in our critiques, and humble, recognizing our position as well. And at the same time, we, we still strive to live to the high standards that Jesus gives, aiming for holiness without which no one will see God, as Hebrews says. So may God give each one of us wisdom as we strive for that and as we attempt to, to live out what he's, he's saying here, to take it to heart, not to be guilty of that judgmental and fault-finding spirit.
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you for the, the life that it gives to us. And we recognize our position before you. We are disciples. We are striving to be more like you. We're aiming for that holiness that you desire from us. And I pray that you would help us to be merciful to others. As we realize we're, we're in this together. We are disciples together. We're learning together. I pray that we could avoid that judgmental spirit that you are laying out here. I pray that you would help us to be faithful in following through with what you want. I pray that you would guide us through this coming week as we show to the world what it means to live with you as Lord. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.